Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Paul Byron of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam Hurt. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the and I'm. This is Alex Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Well, good weekend. I should say good Friday, as it is good Friday, as I'm speaking with you right now. Welcome to the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming. Thanks again to all of those uh, returning listeners to the show and uh, thanks to the newcomers as well who have maybe just stumbled across the show while you're enjoying some uh, home isolation, breaking out and trying to find some new podcasts to listen to. If the Pipeline Show is one of those, then I appreciate uh, you stopping by, and I hope that you'll be back for more. For you returning listeners, wherever you get your copy of the Pipeline Show from, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or, or SoundCloud or Google Play or wherever you get it from, if there is a way to leave a rating and or a comment, I would ask that you please do. Just take a second and uh, and do that. And um, for those newcomers who are just uh, you know searching for a, uh, a hockey prospect show and they come across the Pipeline Show, not everybody has heard of the program. Sure, we're in uh, season 15, but that doesn't mean that there aren't new listeners all the time. So for the benefit of those people, uh, your comment and your rating might encourage them to give the show a try. So I would really ask you to do that. And uh, thanks to those who have done so. Also, thanks to all the patrons who have signed up. There's been the, a small flurry of activity here lately, which is great timing because uh, a lot of the sponsorship, the corporate sponsorship of the show, has dried up as businesses are uh, laying people off and, and shutting doors, uh, at least temporarily. Uh, not a lot of advertising going on. So so listeners like you who have signed up to be patrons, your couple of bucks a month uh, is, is helping out. So I appreciate that. As always, we start with the question of the day, and uh, this week uh, there's been a lot going on on Twitter for the show as it's been the CHL Logo Tournament, and it uh, is now official in the books. It has just wrapped up today. As I'm speaking with you, it ended about an hour ago. I'm trying to think when I started this. must be 10 days ago or so, Uh, but we whittled it down from 64 entries, got into the Elite Eight, and along the way, you know what was really cool was the amount of teams that uh, just jumped on board. I didn't talk to teams before starting this. I didn't say, you know, can you guys help out or anything like that. But probably, I would say half the teams, maybe. Maybe not quite half. Uh, but they started retweeting all the votes and stuff and, and, and the polls to try to get their fans going. And by the end of it, it seemed like, you know, probably by the Sweet 16 round, uh, all, all the teams that were left were doing so and that was awesome that was that made it a lot of fun and there was a lot of responses from uh, fans i encouraged uh, some uh, some trash talk and some chirping and for the most part people kept it uh, fairly pg and, and friendly which uh, i appreciate 
I thought it made for a, a really fun, fun sort of distraction from real life right now. So the question of the day, I guess, ends up with um, it started with who has the best logo in the entire CHL. And we have the answer now. Congratulations to the Seattle Thunderbirds who uh, edged the Brandon Weekings. I believe the final total was uh, just 52 percent, fifty-two and a little bit percent. Uh, but that uh, and that we had almost fifteen hundred uh, votes that last uh, series. Fifty-two point one percent, the official number. Yeah, just a, a hair under fifteen hundred, fourteen hundred and ninety-five votes, and that was in a twenty-four hour uh, time span. So. That was outstanding, and that vote went back and forth. I know Seattle got off to a really great start, but an hour later, Brandon had uh, overtaken them in the in the vote, and that carried on for three or four hours. Uh, overnight, I think it changed another uh, time or two. When I woke up, Seattle had about a 5% lead, uh, and uh, then the Brandon Weeking started tweeting about it, looking for support. That got the, uh, the Wheaties faithful uh, riled up, and they closed the gap, uh, or they narrowed the gap, but they could not close the gap. And the Seattle Thunderbirds come away with uh, the title. Let's get to some uh, news and notes around the uh, Canadian Hockey League, which not a lot happening, uh, but the NHL Central Scouting final rankings that uh, were released. 146 CHL players uh, made the uh, the list. Of course, uh, Alexi Lafreniere is uh, still number one, and this is just in North America. So Lafreniere, number one. Quinton Byfield from Sudbury is number two, followed by Jamie Drysdale of Erie. A defenseman Jake Sanderson, who was just on the show here a few weeks ago, he is uh, number four, so he shoots all the way up. Uh, he he jumped a lot. Uh, Cole Perfetti, who was also on the show not that long ago, so is Marco Rossi. They are number five and six. Jack Quinn, I haven't had on the program yet. Then you have Caden Gooley and Braden Schneider, uh, both defensemen out of the WHL. Dawson Mercer uh, coming in at number 10. Seth Jarvis is 11. Dylan Holloway is 12. I've had all of those players on the show so far, outside of Jack Quinn and Alexi Lafreniere, and uh, endeavoring to get uh, both of those players on uh, before the NHL draft, whenever that uh, happens to come around. Uh, some surprises for me, Ridley Gregg really high. I like Ridley Gregg, but I didn't uh, see him being uh, 14th overall, uh, and ahead of Connor Zeri, who had a fantastic season uh, with the, uh, the Kamloops Blazers. Good to see Justin Barron uh, still considered... Solid first-round material. I know there was questions about the blood clot and, and how that would affect his stock, so good to see that he is still regarded that highly. little surprised about uh, Jan Mysak, uh, who came over from uh, Europe after the World Junior Championship, ended up with the Hamilton Bulldogs in the OHL, had 25 points, 15 goals in just 22 games. Uh, he comes in at 28. I was actually surprised by that. I thought he would be higher. Uh, and I still think Jake Neighbors is underrated. Uh, he comes in at number 26 on the list. And again, now that's just in North America. You look at the uh, European skater list. Uh, Tim Stutzel from Germany, who plays in Mannheim. He is number one, uh, bypassing uh, both of the uh, Swedish forwards. Alexander Holtz is number two. Lucas Raymond is number four. I know I've seen those names reversed on a lot of rankings. Anton Lundell from HIFK in Finland is uh, between those two. He's at number three. Rodion Amarov is five. Still a little surprised to see Noel Gundler. Uh, only at number nine outproduced Lucas Raymond this year, uh, playing in the same league. And I know people who are big fans of Lucas Reichel and J.J. Paterka, two other Germans. Uh, Paterka 
is rank seven and Reichel number 11. So how many Euros will go in the first round? Well, we don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Yaroslav Askarov, the Russian goaltender, will more than likely be one of them. Uh, speaking of goalies, for me, it's not as good a goalie class this year as, as last year's was, but uh, the uh, top goalies in North America for Central Scouting, Nico Dawes, probably a second-rounder, Drew Camesso from the U.S. team, Samuel Lavi from the Sherbrooke Phoenix. They're the top three. I'm interested in Devin, Devin Levi uh, from uh, Carlton Place. Takes me back to uh, Colton Point, who also played there. Big goaltender. Well, Point was. Uh, Levi is uh, six foot, uh, but outstanding numbers at uh, Carlton Place this year. 941 goals against, or save percentage, rather. 941. 147 goals against and a 941 save percentage. But for me, overall, not as strong a uh, goalie class as, uh, in my opinion, as last year. And a little surprised a goaltender named Henry Wilder, who was eligible last year and I had on the show right before the draft. He was named um, Goalie of the Year in uh, his New England Prep School League, uh, headed to Boston College, and had a, he had a fantastic school. He plays at, or had a fantastic season, rather. He plays at Hotchkiss, had a 942 save percentage this year and a buck 69 goals against. Uh, doesn't make Central Scouting's list. So a bit surprised about that. Uh, but as I said, 146 players out of the Canadian Hockey League. Uh, really good showing for the CHL. 80 USHL players. Uh, now that would be players who have some sort of tie to the USHL. Some of those there must be, I don't know, 10 maybe. Guys who are actually in the CHL, but maybe last year had played uh, in the USHL. The United States Hockey League likes to include those guys. While the scouting community might separate the national development team, from the USHL. These players play about a third of their season in the USHL. Uh, one of the things that uh, kind of bugs me a little bit, high school guys who may play five or six games in the USHL, they also get included by by the league. Uh, so it's kind of padding their numbers, like Artem Schlein and Jackson Coons, for example. They're teammates at Shattuck St. Mary's. Uh, Schlein, I think, played five, six games. Coons, something like that as well, in the USHL this year. But they spent their all their time at high school at, at Shattuck St. Mary's. Well, they're on the list for the USHL. So when they say 80 players, uh, they do make a note, 62 are currently playing in the USHL or have played at least one game. Uh, keep that in mind. So uh, the, the number's uh, a bit a bit fudged there, I would suggest, but it looks good for the league. Uh, they also say that uh, according to the NHL Central Scouting Rankings, the USHL would have five first-round selections, and they list Jake Sanderson, Brendan Brisson, Ty Smolanik, Thomas Bordalo, and Sam Colangelo. Uh, but they're not taking into account all the Europeans, which we should expect probably 10 euros to go in the first round on average. Uh, that would push all but two guys out, according to Central Scouting's rankings. Uh, only Sanderson and Brisson would go in the first round if things develop and unfold the way Central Scouting has them. So again, you got to read through the lines a little bit and uh, through the PR uh, somewhat when it comes to the USHL's claims. Let's continue on with uh, some of the news and notes and uh, some of the signings that we had uh, since last week. I think uh, the last one we mentioned was probably Andre Altabamarkian uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks and Evan Barrett, both of them signing with Chicago. Well, since then... Uh, David Tendek of the Vancouver Giants, signed by Arizona. They drafted him a couple of years ago. The Toronto Maple Leafs went out and signed uh, Russian free agent Alexander Barabanov. 
Winnipeg came to terms with Dylan Sandberg, who they drafted in 2017, an early second-round pick. Spent the last three seasons at the University of Minnesota Duluth, won a couple of national championships. Cole Schwind from Mississauga, the Steelheads in the OHL, signs with the Florida Panthers. They had drafted him. Cam Crotty from BU signs with Arizona as well. And lastly, the Ottawa Senators have come to terms with the Calgary Hitmen's Mark Kastelik, who is in his overage season this year. They drafted him last summer as a 19-year-old, uh, and he had a strong year again for the Hitmen. So those are the most recent signings. Remind you that all guests that you hear on the Pipeline Show join me courtesy the Troubled Monk hotline, and I got my shipment of uh, Troubled Monk. I uh, tweeted out a picture of that, uh, some uh, beer. They threw in a T-shirt for me, which I can't. I'm not going to suggest that there are T-shirts available to everybody. It might might have just been a favor, which I appreciate. But I also got some hand cleanser as well from Troubled Monk. Sort of been in a rare supply here in our neck of the woods. I'm not sure what it's like where you are, but uh, they have converted part of their brewery into uh, creating a hand cleanser. So uh, good on Troubled Monk for doing that. They're also doing home delivery as well. Now, today is... A good Friday, and it's Easter weekend. Uh, they do have a note on their uh, website, no deliveries on Sunday, April uh, 12th for Easter Sunday. Uh, that's the only day that they specify, though. So you get your orders in by 1 o'clock, and it will be delivered the same day. That's in Edmonton, Calgary, and Red Deer, of course. Uh, you can also go to the, uh, the tap room uh, to pick up uh, jugs of hand cleanser. Or you can get a beer can size of hand cleanser, part of your uh, delivery as well. Uh, and those are 50% off when you order 50 bucks or more worth of beer. So check them out. Their website is troubledmonk.com. I think I'm going to have a chat with uh, Bud Kelly from Troubled Monk next week so we can get some information from him about what they're doing and what they're offering uh, as well here in these, uh, in these troubled days that we're all going through. Before I tell you who's coming down the pipe today, one last uh, news note that I wanted to pass on. The the whole CHL logo tournament has been, as I said, it was a lot of fun. I didn't know what to expect when we went into it. I thought a lot of people would be like, seriously, these are dumb. There's so many brackets out there right now. I don't want to do this. Uh, but it was actually the opposite. And it actually it, it turned out to be, for me anyway, uh, fun. And a lot of people seemed to really enjoy it. So I've decided to do the same thing for the... NCAA for the uh, college hockey programs and I posted this on the uh, patreon page patreon.com slash the pipeline show I mentioned how to become a patron uh, earlier in this very segment uh, but starting this weekend I think I'm going to start it on Saturday uh, because that would have been the day that the national championship would have been decided we where we are right now smack in the middle of the frozen four or what would have been the frozen four in Detroit this year First couple of games would have went yesterday on Thursday. Tonight would have been the uh, announcement of the Hobie Baker winner, with tomorrow being the national championship game. Well, we don't have that, so certainly not replacing that with a uh, NCAA logo tournament, but why not? We're not doing anything else. So there are 60 Division One teams. I need 64 entries. So what I've done is uh, I, I read a bunch of articles who were the, you know, the leading candidates to create a Division One program or maybe elevate their Division Three program or their club program uh, to become Division One, much like Penn State and Arizona State did here in the last uh, decade or so. So I read a bunch of articles and narrowed that list down to, I don't know, five or six or seven uh, to get four. And then I put in a call to uh, 
well, I won't say who it was because he didn't uh, say that I could, but I chatted with uh, a fairly regular guest here on the show, and uh, with his help, narrowed it down to four teams. Uh, so we have the current 60 Division One teams and four who are reasonable to think they could one day, not next year or the year after, but, uh, you know, the next 15, 20 years, let's say, uh, have Division One programs. So that gets me up to 64, and then I really... Then it was about deciding how to put the bracket together. You know, you have all the Hockey East teams squaring off in the first uh, round or two, and then kind of one Hockey East team comes out of it. I didn't like that idea, and I didn't want to do it alphabetically or anything like that. So uh, I kind of have little themes for all the the first or second round matchups. Like one of the things that actually bugs me about college hockey is the lack of creativity when it comes to the, the names of the teams. And I understand it's not just the 60 division one teams it's how many ncaa schools there are so eventually yeah i could see some overlap in names but when it comes to the hockey programs and you're not going to have your hockey team named differently than your basketball team and your football team i understand that but when you've got four uh huskies among the 60 teams and three bulldogs and three falcons and it gets a little silly so i have a lot of those teams meeting in the first and second round so that you know, once we get past the 32, there's only going to be one uh, Bulldog left. There's only going to be one Husky left, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and there are a number of even just doubled up teams or two Pioneers. You know, there are uh, two Mavericks. So we'll have some fun with that, and uh, I'll start it this weekend. And uh, hopefully we'll get the same sort of response we did with the CHL and from the fans and uh, from the teams as well. And maybe the programs will start getting involved and uh, and tweeting that out there. I touched base with College Hockey Inc. to make sure that there's not going to be any, nobody's going to complain about the, you know, tweeting out the logos or anything like that. They seem to give it a uh, an informal thumbs up. Uh, so maybe College Hockey Inc. will get involved a little. Uh, so let's have some fun with that. So over the next uh, couple of weeks, We'll narrow that field down from 64 to one team as well. I will say, looking at all the logos and, and putting this bracket together, and I think, I think I've think i done a pretty good job with the bracket, uh, I would say, by comparison to the CHL, there's a lot of really lame logos in the NCAA. Like single letters, like Yale has a Y. Really boring ones. And I get tradition, and some of them are really... They've been around for 100-plus years. I get all that, but oh my, some really lack some imagination and creativity. But we'll see. Maybe the classics will win out. Only one way to tell. We'll have them facing off. Uh, so we'll do that starting this weekend. Look for the NCAA logo tournament on Twitter and uh, and get involved. Have a little fun. All right, here is what's coming down the pipe today. I do have four guests that you'll hear from. And uh, actually, this is a really good show. I sound surprised by that. Uh, we're going to start it off with a conversation I had uh, back on Monday with uh, former Edmonton Oil King Captain Mark Pasek, now with the Florida Panthers. I chatted with him for about 20 minutes. Uh, I'll share that with you. Then we'll go to a newly signed NHL player. Spent the last four years with the Western Michigan Broncos. His name is Wade Allison, who just signed with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, so we'll get an update on uh, what life is like for him right now on his uh, family farm in rural manitoba then we'll have a 2020 draft spotlight uh, a player with the red deer rebels his name is ben king he's ranked uh, inside the top 100 by central scouting 
And uh, we'll end things off a conversation I had just this very morning. And that's actually why this episode is coming out a little bit later in the day, hopefully, assuming it still comes out here on Good Friday. Uh, but a, a Colorado Avalanche scout who's uh, been a good friend of the Pipeline Show for a long time, uh, Wade Klippenstein, who uh, my old co-host, uh, Dean Millard, knows him very well from uh, well for a long time now. Uh, but Clipper has been on the show several times, usually with, you know, in the past it was when he was in the WHL. He was a GM and, and a scout and uh, assistant GM and a coach, a number of different teams along the way. But uh, back when he started, when the show started, he was in Prince George. He eventually went on to uh, the Brian and Wheat Kings before moving on now to the Colorado Avalanche as a scout. So wanted to talk to him about uh, how an NHL team is handling uh, things right now from a, a scouting perspective. So I think you'll enjoy that conversation. So a loaded show. Mark Pesek, Wade Allison, Ben King, and Wade Klippenstein all coming up here on the Pipeline Show. <laughs> Hi, this is Curtis Lazar of the Edmonton Royal Kings. Hey, it's Brett Pollock. I'm Keegan Wolf. Hey, it's Tristan Jari. Hi, this is uh, Lauren Bressois. Griffin Reinhardt. This is Aaron Irving. Hey, it's Dyson Mayo. This is Henrik Simonson. I'm Thomas Winsler. Hey, I'm Mark Pesek of the Edmonton Royal Kings, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks, a lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That's badass. It is badass. Really it's cool. Badass, yeah. Back on The Pipeline Show. First segment of this week's episode. It's a good one as we uh, catch up with uh, a former Edmonton Oil King. I guess like presidents, uh, they're always a captain of the Oil King. Uh, so uh, Oil King Captain Mark Pesek, welcome back to The Pipeline Show. Mark, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, good to talk to you again. And uh, we were just chatting before we started. It's uh, weird times up here. It's really weird. And uh, I keep seeing on, on the news clips uh, that it's, uh, well, it looks like life is normal back in, in where you are down in Florida. But um, you were just telling me you, you get the sense things are changing down there, too. Yeah, I think right from the start, uh, it was just the later half of uh, the spring break. So everyone was still down here. It was pretty busy. But um as of the last couple weeks, maybe last week or so, uh, we've driven down by the beach just to get out of the house. And there's, you know, police officers and uh, everybody guarding the beach. So there's no not a single soul on the beach right now. So I think everyone's uh, everyone's taking a lot more seriously now. And I think that's good 
Now, it, your wife is from Edmonton, right? Yeah. So I guess my one of my first questions would be, why are you guys still down there? But is that home now? Do you guys consider that home? Um, no, we're just waiting, I think, until uh, we kind of know what's going on with the season. Um, you know, if we have to start back up playing or anything like that. Uh, we have a one-year-old, so we didn't want to be buzzing through airports, uh, yeah. especially with this virus going on. So we just figured it was safer to stay down here for now. Um, and it's... Uh, you know, it's been it's been good. We've had great weather down here and getting workouts in in the morning, kind of in our own little routine. Right. Um, obviously missing home. Bunch of, bunch of guys went home. A few guys went home. Um, but it's uh, it's not so bad down here right now. I guess it makes sense. My in-laws were in Phoenix. They came back and had to stay basically isolated in their house for two weeks. So, and you're right. Your weather's a lot better than it is here. We had pelting snow uh, up here yesterday. So, um, yeah, I guess I can understand that. Uh, how do you keep busy, though, during the day? Uh, like everybody else, you, they, you're hitting Netflix, and uh, I guess you're working out and stuff, though, still. Yeah, we, uh, we gotta, we've we been trying to get up, you know, with the little one and go for a run outside or do something in the morning, and then uh, pretty much the rest of the day is just entertain a one-year-old. Um, as much as you can, so that keeps us pretty busy. But um, we obviously watch Tiger King, uh, like everyone else in the world, and it's uh, completely outrageous, but a great watch. If, if you haven't watched it, that would be a huge recommendation. Uh, but other than that, yeah, not too much. Just uh, try not to drink too much wine, and uh, yeah, that's about it. I haven't watched the Tiger King show yet, but I've heard so much about it. I feel like I have already. So, um, but I guess I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to give it a try. Uh, Mark Pasek uh, of the Florida Panthers is my guest, uh, and uh, this is the Pipeline Show. We're just uh, shooting the shit with Mark for a little bit. Um, well, tell me about this past season. When you look back on uh, the way it ended, maybe we'll we'll start with the most recent. And where were you when you were told what the plan was for the? for the season that everything's on hold and different levels have all been canceled. I think the NHL is the only one still kind of holding out hope for uh, putting a, some sort of finish on this year. But where were you when you uh, got that news? Uh, we were in Dallas. So we played in St. Louis, I think on a, maybe a Tuesday night. Uh, we stayed the night, flew out the next morning. Um, I think we practiced and then had a day off the following day on the Thursday or whatnot. But then, as we went to bed that night, I think that's the night um, the NBA got canceled. Right. Um, so we woke up in the morning, still still uh, prepared to morning skate. But then when the morning skate got canceled, we uh, everybody figured that was it. And we were in Dallas, yeah. So we just went out for lunch. And obviously the season got postponed on that day, and we flew out that night anyways. So, um, And then it was just a whatever they said, a, a week or nine days or something like that, quarantine for the first time, and nobody really knew what was going on, and it was kind of, well, not kind of weird. It was extremely weird and nothing anybody's ever been through before, but, um, I mean, it continues to surprise us how weird and <laughs> unique this situation is. Uh, no question about that. The year for you and for the Panthers, maybe for the team, uh, how do you feel about the way things were uh, this season in Florida? Uh, they were good. We uh, we went on a big run right before the um, before the All Star break and and bye week there, uh, and then we came back and I think we kind of lost a step over the break just just timing wise and everything together. And then 
And then once again, we were just, just heating up now when this thing happened. So we were, I think we won two or three in a row against some pretty good teams and we were playing, uh, kind of the brand of hockey we've been searching for all year. And then, and then boom, this happens again, another break. So we, uh, I think unlucky for everybody, but, um, unlucky for obviously if we can get this season back going, if we can continue where we were, I think that'd be good for us. At this point, do you have any sort of uh, insight or the, uh, a gut feel even what's going to happen? Do you, do you feel any confidence at all that there will still be hockey for the 2019-20 season? Uh, the only reason I do have the confidence is that they do keep just postponing it, and they're very hesitant to, to just cancel it like a lot of other leagues have done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's still that uh, optimism around the league and the players, and I think guys are – guys are treating it not so much like a vacation but but just like a just like a little break everybody i've talked to has been staying in shape you know just in case and um i think that that feeling of everyone that there still is a chance i think is is what what's keeping everybody sane right now and and kind of optimistic in this break for you on a personal level this year career highs in offensive numbers at, at the nhl level nine <laughs> goals i don't think you scored nine goals in the whl in a, in a single season so this is a <laughs> no. statistic and you even had a hat trick this year i don't know what the heck take me back to that night <laughs> uh have you you must have seen the highlights by now because i'm sure when you shot the puck you had your eyes closed oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, a wild night in toronto and i I had the two goals and I was late in the third and, and Q put me out again. And, um, I think dad now fed me from behind the goal line and I was right in front and I didn't score. Just shot it right into, uh, the goalie's glove. And that was my, that was when it just hit me. I'm like, you know what? I'll never get a hat trick and that's fine. This is the only chance I'll ever have to get a hat trick. And I just blew it. Whatever. Two's good. And then, and then the net was empty and Q put me out again. And then that was, uh, I think I just got a little half breakaway and there was no chance I was missing that. I was, I would have skated that right through the net. <laughs> in, in, your, in your wildest dreams, did you ever think that you could be in that position where you could, you could have a hat trick in, in the NHL? Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no. It was uh, so outrageous. So this season, getting a chance to, to play forward, uh, I mean, it seems to have worked out well for you, but I mean, that was not in your plan at any time either, was it? No, I, uh, yeah, it was a, a weird start to the season. I was, uh, I was healthy scratch for the first few games and then, um, somebody or a couple guys were sick. So in the morning skate, Q came up and said, Hey, we're going to, uh, dress you tonight. Uh, we might be 70, might have you on forward. Um, so I was, I was fully expecting just to sit on the bench, you know, the whole game, which I would have completely understood at that point. Um, but then I was just on the fourth line and we went out and, um yeah i think we did a good enough job where uh the next day uh he pulled me aside again he said you know what we're gonna play again at forward and then that was uh that was that i mean the rest uh the rest of the season i think i played defense one or two more games just from sickness or injuries or anything like that but um they had me up forward up uh playing right wing so it was definitely a, a different season than I had drawn up, but uh, you know you got to make the most of what the opportunity is that they give you. And um, yeah, it was all right. Well, you had 58 games in the lineup this year. At what point did the, that move to forward start? How, like, how many games did you play as a forward this year? I don't know if you know the exact number, but um, I would say five or six. I played defense. 
That's it. Wow. Maybe maybe a little more. Yeah, not not a lot on on the back end. All right. So how long did it take for you to feel comfortable up there? Because that's not something you ever did. Yeah. No. I. Um. To be completely honest with you, I was playing with uh, Colton Sevier and Brian Boyle for a bit, and and they would say that I'm still not comfortable because <laughs> every single face off. <laughs> Every single face-off, I would go and ask that, like, oh, what are we doing on a win? What are we doing on a loss? <laughs> and half the time, I could just tell that they, in their, in the look in their eyes, they're like, I just told you this four minutes ago. Do you not remember? And I, I'm like, honestly, guys, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to ask you every single face-off, <laughs> every time there's anything. But they've been, they were awesome. They were patient with me. Like, they didn't, they didn't make me feel like I was a burden on them, so it was good to play with those guys. What's the biggest difference between playing on the wing and, and playing on the blue line? Um, I think just the trust in your de- – like when you're playing on the back end, you're kind of the last line of defense. If you if you turn a puck over, make a mistake, usually it's a breakaway or it's a backdoor tap-in or something. Uh, you know, at least with four, if you turn it over, it's kind of uh, – you kind of got that last line of defense again behind you to help you out and bail you out, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously they, they're not happy with you if you turn it over, but they'll still, uh, they'll still help out. Well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong this summer, uh, at, this is the last you're in your final year of your contract and you'd be uh, unrestricted free agent, correct? Yeah. All right. So unless, I don't know, the league decides to carry over every contract or something, uh, for the next season because of what happened this year. Do you go into this summer as a unrestricted, uh, defenseman or a forward or like, are you, I guess you're Mr. Versatile now. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. And uh, to be completely honest with you, at this point in time, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen this summer. And, uh, you know, if, if whatever comes my way, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens and, you know, make the decision once we get there. All right. Uh, well, uh, with all this uh, health scare that's going around, it made me think of your health scare, uh, what was it, Four years ago, you were still in with the Sabers at the time, but um, oh yeah, <laughs> with the the collapse while you were playing basketball. Uh, now, did it get officially termed a heart attack, or or what was it? Um, no, I I don't know exactly what it was. I don't think anybody knows for sure, but the only thing I could think of was just uh, I fainted and then hit my head when I fell. So I think that was. I don't think it was anything to do with my heart. It oh, was okay. just uh, just a anomaly just a weird uh combination of events all piling up and happening all at the same time i think and, and a one-off thing like you've never had any sort of uh, uh revisited that at all no yeah never nothing nothing even close to that has ever creeped in so thank god for that all right uh, well that's good to hear mark pasek of the florida panthers is my guest here on the pipeline show a former edmonton oil king captain maybe we'll look back at your whl days uh, in a little bit too but uh, uh, take me back to the you, the start of your NHL career. Do you remember what game one was uh, was like? Um, yeah, I was uh, actually so the night before we were in Toronto playing against the Marlies, and I think I was minus four or minus five, even just a horrible game. <laughs> uh, so I was pretty upset in the shower. Someone comes in and goes, "Hey, coach wants to see you," and I was like, "Oh, here we go. I'm getting sent down, you know, for a couple weeks in the coast just to figure it out." All right. And I go into the coach's office, and he goes, how do you think you played? Uh, not very good. <laughs> nope, not one of your best. But you're going to go play in the NHL tomorrow night. Crazy how this world works. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. And 
So then I flew out the next morning early from Buffalo to Washington. Uh, you know, didn't have any time to nap really or anything. I missed morning skate. Um, and then showing up, yeah, I played in Washington. Uh, it was, uh, it was, I mean, you don't, I don't remember too much from the game, just it being absolutely exhilarating looking around, you know, everything was NHL playing against Ovechkin. It was, it was pretty special. Well, and again, so I don't know what point of the season that was, but you played 19 games uh, that year. Was it all after that? Uh, like, did you stay with Buffalo for the rest of that season or? Or uh, I don't remember what the circumstances were. Were you up and back between the the farm and the and the big leagues? I think I was up the rest of that season. Okay. And then I started the next season up, and then around Christmas time got sent down for the last half of that one, and then the following season I was the whole year, uh, except for like maybe one or two call ups. Yeah. Um, in Rochester. Okay. At the NHL level, how long does it take? before you feel like you belong and you're not like almost an imposter kind of in the dressing room that you, that you're an NHL guy and and that you deserve to be there. How long does that take? Um, I think for me, it was uh, when I came to Florida, I think I had a different feeling. Uh, I was just always, always in Buffalo. There's always that, that thought in the back of my mind that, uh, you know, because I was up for the start of that one season and then all of a sudden Christmas time came and I was down for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I just never felt, uh never felt like I really belonged in the NHL there. Um, but then when I got to Florida, it was just, it was a different feeling. We came down for a, for a press conference with like five or six of the guys. So I met the guys then um, before the season in the summertime. And then once that season started, I just, just felt like just had a different feeling in the dressing room, you know, like this was, you could be part of this team. You can contribute. You can, like I say, yeah, just be part of this team. You're not, uh, you're not as worried of getting sent down. There's obviously that uh, that worry of getting scratched or getting moved or anything like that, but but it wasn't as big of a worry. It was more focused on helping the team win than just stay up in the NHL. You know? Right, right. Uh, recently, the uh, the Western Hockey League has been showing sort of classic games like uh, ESPN Classics or something like that, but they uh, recently showed the Oil Kings and the, the Portland Winterhawks. Now it was from 2014. Uh, but uh, you had some pretty interesting uh, playoff experiences with the Oil Kings, got to a Memorial Cup in Shawinigan, didn't go the Oil Kings way that year. But uh, when you look back at your time with the uh, with the Oil Kings, what are the, the big memories that immediately come to mind? Well, I think that's the, that's the biggest one. I, I still remember it was a uh, Saturday night in Portland, and I think we had the chance to win it there, um, and we lost. I don't remember that game much, but we flew back Saturday night and then played a Sunday game at one o'clock or something. Um, so very, very quick turnaround. And I remember that game was great. The crowd was great. Everything was great. Everything went so well. I don't think we were, I don't think we during the whole game had even a thought that we were going to lose that game. I think it was four one. Uh, we were just rolling the whole time. It was, uh, yeah, that was that was definitely the highlight there. Being a captain and getting to host the Ed Chinoth Cup at, at Rexall Place at the time, uh, I mean, all and being a local guy, all of that, I mean, you couldn't have scripted the, the the that season any better for yourself, could you? No, absolutely not. That ended perfectly, and um, there was a few seasons in the NHL where I really wanted to go play at at Rexall Place, and yeah, um, 
you know, that's where I kind of grew up watching games and everything. But it's pretty cool that the last time, the last time I played there was was doing that in Game Seven. So, um, I think that's a good memory to have from there. Yeah, for sure. When now uh, your your time as an Edmonton Oil King, obviously you were the the first draft pick for the team since coming back into the league. And I mean, see, so you, you were the face of the franchise for so long. Was there? Did you feel pressure at that time? Um, being that guy and and sort of the the marquee name for the team, uh, I think there's always a little bit of pressure, um, regardless of you know being the first pick or anything. I think there's a little bit more pressure playing at home too. Um, you get all your friends and everything right, kind of right on top of you. But um, it wasn't too bad. I think uh, you know we had we struggled the first few years, but then once once things got going, there was a lot of uh, a lot of highly talented, skilled guys that kind of wait kind of wore it on their shoulders a little bit so it was uh it was definitely the focus i don't think was as much on me as uh as it sounds like you know being the first pick and everything like right. that do you uh when you've played against uh, some former oil king teammates at, at either the nhl level or the american hockey league level do you have time to kind of uh meet with guys before or after games at all yeah for sure if there's guys that uh i think uh jari saw him or talked to him in warm-ups this year and uh, it's definitely cool seeing guys that you, uh, uh, that you, that you were a lot younger with and you were kind of at a different stage of your life, uh, as you are now. So it's cool to see everybody growing up a little bit and a lot more mature, but still the same, you know, same goofy hockey players that I don't think really ever changes. Your photo on Twitter is still you getting presented the, <laughs> yeah. uh, the Ed Chinoth Cup as, as the captain of the Old Kings. Now, is that, is that on purpose or is that just laziness? You haven't changed it, uh, uh, I think a little bit of both. I think it's uh, it's cool to see that and have that, and I don't know what other picture I would put. Uh, maybe, well, not maybe. I think if uh, if I were to ever win the Stanley Cup, I think that would be the <laughs> the change. But sure. um, yeah, no, I don't know. I, I like seeing it too. No, I know it's it's maybe it's uh, way in your rearview mirror now. But do you still follow the Oil Kings and see how they're doing uh, every once in a while? Yeah, I do, and it. Uh, I think I follow them on on everything, Twitter, Instagram, stuff like that. So when the when the rankings come out and they're in the you know the top ten of the whole CHL, I definitely let uh, let everybody know. All the junior guys uh, around here, how good the Oil Kings are doing for sure when when they're doing good. Now, most of the people in the organization have changed since your time here, but a couple of guys are still the same in, in Rogan Dean and, and Brian Cheeseman and a couple of the other support staff guys as well. Do you, are you able to keep in touch? Oh yeah, we uh, you know we just just here and there over messages when we were in uh, when we were in Edmonton um, playing went over and see them in the dressing room and uh, you know it's always good to catch up with those guys and uh, they do such a good job and it's it's no wonder that they're still going strong there and uh, you know everybody that goes through that system and organization knows them and knows how uh, professional they are and how uh, and how hard they work. Well, all of those guys and Corey Graham as well, if if they knew I was talking to you right now, they'd want me to say hello. So uh, I will uh, do that uh, now. Hi from those guys. Uh, and Mark, listen, I really appreciate your time today. I, I took up uh, a little bit longer than I expected I was going to, but it was really good. I enjoyed catching up. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. It was good to catch up with you too. Here's Mark Pesek of the Florida Panthers, formerly of the Buffalo Sabres. And uh, before that, and most notably for this show, former captain of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, great to catch up with him once again, and uh, always had a key eye on uh, following how Mark's been doing uh, since uh, his NHL career 
began back in, what, 2013. And I am intrigued to see where he ends up uh, as an unrestricted free agent, whether he gets a, another deal with the Panthers or if he goes somewhere else. And if so, is he a defenseman or is he now a forward? That will be interesting to see for uh, Pesek's next contract. All right, we go from a guy who is in the NHL now to a guy who is uh, looking to begin his NHL career, or at least his professional career, as he uh, just formally signed a contract uh, here in the last couple of weeks with the Philadelphia Flyers. Of course, I'm speaking about Wade Allison, now formerly of the Western Michigan Broncos. Let's catch up with him, see how he's doing next here on the Pipeline Show. Smirnoff breaks across, turns it over to Allison. Here he comes, one-on-one. -on -one. Allison, D-Clef, shoots, scores! The undressed a defender at the right slot. He went backhander, turned to the forehand, and wristed it under Wishow. Hey, I'm Wade Allison from the Tri-City Storm, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. She's the girl in my dream, she's the girl in my mind. She's playing me for a fool, cause she's a hurting kind. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Joe Pavelski. Score! And Johnny Gaudreau. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. Back on The Pipeline Show, and we're going to have in, uh, I guess we'll call it a uh, call it NCAA campus report. It's brought to you by College Hockey, Inc. If you're uh, a player or you have one in your family that is uh, looking to explore all of their options, you need to know what you can and what you can't do to maintain your NCAA eligibility. College Hockey, Inc., great resource for that. You can get in touch with uh, Mike Snee or Nate Ewell, and they will help steer you in the right direction. Uh, my guest this week, well, he's no longer a, a collegiate athlete, but uh, went that route, and he's a Canadian uh, from uh, the thriving metropolis of uh, Myrtle, Manitoba. Wade Allison, uh, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. Wade, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Oh, I appreciate you making the time again. Uh, weird days, obviously, and uh, the way things ended uh, for you and for the Broncos uh, this year had to have been disappointing because, boy, you guys were really getting on a roll at the end. Yeah, you know, it is It is really unfortunate because uh, things were starting to click for a team there, and uh, I, we really thought we were going to make a run at it. So uh, it's uh, it's pretty disappointing, but uh, it's it's out of our hands. You know, this is going on all over the world, and it's not just – not just for us, so uh, it's nothing we can really do about it. Just uh, trying to stay home and stay safe. Yeah, doubly disappointing for you because you're a senior and and now your your college career is done. And it's one thing to lose your last game, but not even get to play your last game. Uh, I don't even I can't imagine what that's like. Yeah, you know, I was uh, looking forward to one last kick at the can there, trying to make a run for it with uh, with the guys, but uh, you know they they cut that short. And I mean, there's nothing we can really do about it. So. Uh, Try not to uh, stress too much about it. When you reflect back on your four years uh, at Western Michigan, I know there's you know up and down because of the injuries and things like that. But uh, what's what's going to stand out when you look back ten, fifteen years from now uh, at your four years at at uh, Western Michigan? What will be the uh, the big moments you remember? Ah, uh, the friendships I made 
for sure. Um, I mean, I came out, uh, came out of there with so many lifelong friends or friends I'm going to have for life here. So, uh, no, that's, that's definitely the most special thing for me. Um, those, those, just the memories I made there, just being able to, uh, be around the guys all the time and be, be able to compete every day playing the game you love. It's, uh, it's, it was something pretty special. I, uh, definitely enjoyed my time there. And if I could do it over again, I'd do it the exact same way. As a player on the ice, how'd you evolve? Uh, you know, you, you got there after a couple of years in the USHL with, with Tri-City and, uh, you'd just been drafted. Uh, but I imagine the player you were four years ago, I'm guessing there's some evolution there. So how are you a different player now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, playing for Andy Murray definitely, definitely pushes you to be your best every day. So when you're constantly striving to be better, you, uh, your, your overall game improves. And so, I mean, I worked on a lot of things, defensive, you know, the small details, but with the puck, without the puck, going here, going there, stuff like that. I mean, my, uh, my game definitely really uh, progressed and I'm, I'm very happy with it. The downside of the last three years at least your your first year there you did get to play the full season I think but you had some injuries along the way uh, anything that's uh, were they all related to each other or were they different things each year what was it uh yeah you know I had a little bit of everything anyway anything from ankles to knees hips shoulders head you know a little, <laughs> little bit of everything so uh no I mean it's that's the way the game goes it's uh the injuries happen you know I obviously would like to have a few less uh, none if possible, but, uh, you know, it's, it's something that just happens. And so you just work through it. That's got to be a challenge mentally to do. Do you ever sit back and say like, am I injury prone? What's going on here? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it definitely takes a toll on you mentally, but, uh, I think it was really beneficial for me, um, to grow mentally and understand that struggle happens, adversity comes and how to deal with it, you know, cause you can't go your whole life without running into adversity that's that's going to happen so it's good for me to learn at a young age uh, uh how to deal with that and how to not only come back but come back stronger and better because of it we know how the story ends here with the flyers and the contract but before that contract and through these last four years dealing with the injuries what was the relationship with the flyers uh, did they, how how much in contact uh, with them were you um uh, yeah i mean they, they they were great through the process they were always there for for any questions, anything I ever needed, you know, anything that they could help me with, uh, you know, they were there for. And uh, I, a lot of it I could do on my own and stuff like that. But a phone call here and a phone call there, just saying, hey, this is this is what I'm doing. Um, am I doing it right? What can I do to to help myself get back? And so uh, so they were really good throughout the process. The second round pick by the Flyers back in 2016. Because of the injuries, were you ever concerned? Were you? Did you ever think to yourself? Man, they might not sign me. I might, you know, they might just move on from me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always a thought in the back of your head when things aren't going good. You always try to overthink to all the negatives. But right. at the end of the day, you know, I uh, I still know how to play hockey. I can still play hockey pretty well, and uh, I'm confident what I can do out there. So uh, so there was never really a, a worry or a stress for me. I just the only thing I worried about was was me getting back out there. You know, when when am I going to be able to get back out there to prove myself? You know. So it was uh, it was definitely a mental process. Um, definitely took a toll on me, but uh, you know what? I definitely grew from it, and I think it's uh, something that I'll look back one day and, and laugh about and say that I needed that. Well, as disappointing as the end of the year was this year for you and the Broncos, uh, the the big news and the good news, you get that contract with the Flyers uh, on, uh, I think it was March 28th. 
tell me about that and getting the call and, and I'm sure speaking with your agent along the way. And did you know at the end of the year that it was basically in a drawer waiting just to make it official or how did it all come together? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely one of the cooler moments of my life for sure. You know, I've worked 22 years for this and, uh, this is something that not very many people achieve. And so for, for me to be able to, uh, to make it happen is uh, it's a dream come true, but it's, it's only the start. You know, I haven't, I haven't done anything yet. This is this is only the beginning, so it's it's good in the fact that I know my hard work is paid off. But it's also good in the fact that it motivates me to to be better and to know that I'm doing the right things and I'm going in the right direction. But uh, I need to keep keep my head down and keep my nose to the grindstone and keep going and keep working hard and try to improve myself every day. Had it basically been done for a while and just you can't you can't announce things until obviously the, the college season is done. Um, so was it was it already in place, or did you know, uh, uh, like, how long have you known that it was that you had that it wasn't weighing on your mind? Uh, it's it's something we've talked about for for a little while now. Um, you know, it was it was a matter of of, of when I'm ready. You know, um, I di- I didn't want to go in um, and not be able to give them my my best version of myself. You know, because you only get one shot at a at a first first impression i guess so i didn't want to go in there and be like here's my best but then not be able to give them my best so it was something that i was just waiting for for my injuries to heal for me to get things going get my confidence going because uh it's been a roller coaster for sure um but uh it was just just about finding the right time to uh to try and take that next step but i guess we were uh <laughs> because of this virus here we we're kind of kind of forced into it but i mean i'm definitely Definitely very happy with it. Um, this is something I worked my whole life for, so uh, it's pretty rewarding. Uh, I told you before we started, I'm a Flyers fan, so there's you know part of me is selfishly doing this because I'm excited about that. But uh, was I have to ask? I mean, if you had not signed with Philly, you could have been a free agent in August. Was that ever a, a tempting thought process for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I I thought about it, but I was never never tempted to do that. I mean, uh, Philly's been great. To me ever since the first day you know they've they've always been there they've always always kept a close eye they've always been supportive they've been understanding and uh i mean they've treated me unbelievable you know that's a first class organization so there was uh there was never really any any major thought into going to free agency i, I knew i wanted to put the flyers jersey on uh i mean that's uh, i think every kid dreams of that so that was something that i wasn't i uh, wasn't willing to give up all right, so the way things are right now, uh, I mean, we don't know uh, if and when things get started again. So uh, you're back in uh, at the family farm in, in Manitoba. What kind of farm, by the way? Uh, we got a cattle farm here with a uh, little bit of grain. Okay, cattle farm with uh, with some grain. So I'm picturing your uh, your off-season workouts now sort of like the montages from Rocky or something. You're out. <laughs> <laughs> Not too far from, that's funny. So yeah. what, what are you doing? Um, I just working out in the basement here, uh, helping out on the farm, you know, getting pretty bored. I've been, uh, spent my 14 days in quarantine. It's my last day in quarantine here. I get to finally leave the house tomorrow. So, that, so that'll be nice, even though I can't really go anywhere, but it'll, uh, it'll be nice to be able to know that I could leave. Uh, <laughs> um, I was going to say you go, you get to go into downtown Myrtle. <laughs> yeah. Downtown Myrtle. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, no, but it's, it's been good here doing, uh, doing some good work with my dad, you know, just catching up. It's, it's good to see the family here. Um, it's, it's, it's good to be home and be surrounded by, uh, by the family. 
All right. Uh, maybe we'll wrap it up last uh, little bit. Um, the, the big personal highlights, uh, things you accomplished uh, along the way at, at Western Michigan and maybe with Tri-City before that. But, you know, up to this point in your career, what are some of the uh, the highlight hockey moments? Yeah, I mean, uh, just just coming as far as I have, you know, this is something you know, I dreamt of as a kid. Never actually thought it would happen. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, just understand that I need to put in the work every day and, uh, it's something I'm still surprised myself with every day. You know, this is this is really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, going uh, a kid from Myrtle, Manitoba, and end up uh, doing what I'm doing is is pretty cool. So it's uh, it's been a lot of special moments. You know, uh, in Tri City, winning the Clark Cup, that was really cool. Um, that's something I remember forever. Uh, just being able to go to college um, at Western Michigan, that's that was really cool. Um, just the way we competed as a team and stuff like that. It was. It was special, for sure. Um, so those definitely created a ton of memories I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. And uh, hopefully can create some more in the, in the coming years here. And the, and for Flyers fans who haven't had a chance to watch you play yet, uh, what sort of a, uh, a, maybe a, a self-scouting report, uh, what, do you, what can you bring to the organization here in the next couple of years? Uh, big physical player. I like to shoot the puck. I like to score goals. Um, I like to mix it up, uh, be physical. Um, yeah, just whatever it takes. You know, at the end of the day, there's nothing, nothing set in stone that that I do particularly well. But there's a bunch of things I do pretty good, and so I'm going to continue to work on those things and make them really good, and uh, hopefully uh, one day make an impact. Try to win a Stanley Cup. Wade, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I'll let you get back to uh, bench pressing uh, hay bales or something <laughs> like that, and uh, certainly wish you the best of luck moving forward. Uh, stay safe. All right, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Wade Allison, the newest member of the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, and good to hear that he's uh, finding a way to work out uh, on the farm. And uh, I, I just have images of him, you know, in the scenes, and especially in Rocky Four when he's in Russia and he's working out in the barn and lifting his friends up in the wagon and stuff. Well, maybe Wade is doing that uh, in uh, Myrtle, Manitoba, right now as well. Uh, who knows? But good to catch up with him, and I know uh, Flyers fans are excited about uh, his contract coming through and. Just uh, fingers crossed this guy uh, gets to play a few seasons without uh, any more significant injuries because he's definitely a talented player. No question about that. Speaking of Western Michigan, the Broncos, obviously one of the logos that will be involved in the NCAA Hockey Logo Tournament, which uh, starts this weekend. Keep your eyes on Twitter for that, uh, you college hockey fans. And fans anywhere. It doesn't matter if you like uh, college hockey or if you're an adamant chl fan or an ncaa fan it's about the logo all you're doing is clicking the twitter poll picking a logo which logo you like better you don't even have to know which teams they are just pick the picture you like better try to have some fun with it that starts this weekend but uh, my next guest is a chl player it'll be a 2020 draft spotlight segment we're going to the whl so it's in the dub segment as well member of the red deer rebels that team finished third in the chl logo tournament Third slash fourth. Uh, the player's name is Ben King. Get to know him for the ahead of the 2020 NHL draft, whenever that happens. He's on the show next. Hey, this is Ben King of the Red Deer Rebels. Puts it on goal, scores! Ben King tipped it home, and the Rebels win it 4-3 in overtime. And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. When the night has come. And the land is dark 
Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Well, We're back on The Pipeline Show, and uh, this segment will be a 2020 draft spotlight uh, segment. We're also, it's uh, my guest is from the WHL, so it's an in-the-dub segment as well. Of course, those are all brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. Stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League. There isn't a whole lot going on right now, but we just had the U.S. draft. We got the Bantam draft coming up and some player signings, things like that. Uh, so there is always news going on in Dub Network, a great place to stay up to speed with that. You can subscribe to it and get your daily dose of the Dub sent right to your inbox. You don't even have to look for it. Uh, my guest today, uh, who is draft eligible, uh, comes from the Red Deer Rebels. His name is Ben King. Ben, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, you making the time. I guess, like a lot of people, you, I'm assuming you have a lot of free time right now. Yeah, a lot more than usual. It's, it's a bit different right now, but doing what I can to stay in shape and all that and keep busy, so it's been all right. What do you do at this point? I mean, you're not, I'm guessing you're not getting a lot of ice time in or anything like that, so a lot of time in the home gym or something? Yeah, I got some weights and a bench, so I'm just doing what I can, a lot of body weight exercise and just trying to stay in shape. I've been boxing a bit here at home, but no ice for sure just because there's none open, so. That's been a bit different, not going to the rink every day, but it's been all right for the most part. Where were you and the Rebels uh, when news came down uh, that everything was being put on hold and then eventually canceled? Uh, well, we were traveling back from Swift Current, and I think we got back at 4 in the morning or something. We were told that we had a meeting the next day about all this, and we didn't really know what to expect. And then we got to the rink the next day, and we were told that, I don't know, the season might be canceled, and then we had to wait a few more days just for a clarification and then I think it was two days later we got called back in and we were told season's done and we have to go home and within a day everyone was home so it happened all pretty quick yeah pretty uh pretty sad ending to the to the year for for everybody and uh, you were having a strong year uh with the rebels after a trade from swift current maybe let's look back at at this season and from your perspective uh how would you describe this year looking back on it yeah I think I think my start was kind of average and then I got traded, and it definitely took some time to get used to a new team, new players, new coaching staff, just everything, and it took some time to settle in. But I think after Christmas, once I got settled in, I really found my stride and started getting some some confidence and started playing with my linemates, and we started to connect. And I think it was just better after Christmas, and I'm really excited and happy I got traded there. First time you'd ever been traded, I, I'm assuming, in your life. Uh, you, you, that doesn't happen in minor hockey, and uh, it's the only time in the WHL. Uh, what's that like? Uh, first, when you're when you're told of it, you, uh, in Swift Current, you saw other guys were being dealt, so it may, maybe it didn't come as a complete shock, uh, or did it? Well, it's it's definitely a bit of a shock, and 
I think you don't know what to expect, like going through it the first time. You don't know where your emotions are, and it's definitely hard for sure going into a new place knowing I only knew two guys in Red Deer. So it was hard, but I think once you get over the first month or so, it you settle in, and it's it's awesome. In Swift Current, I imagine, and rightly so if, if it's the case, but you must have felt like you were part of the building blocks to, to get that team going after their Memorial Cup run. So, I mean, was it uh, was it disappointing then to, to find out, well, I guess they found me expendable? Yeah, it was a bit disappointing, but and for sure to leave your, your good friends and your bill of families and all that. But I think seeing my name go to Red Deer, I was really excited for the opportunity, and we have a really young team, and I think mm-hmm. – I think in the next two years, we'll be a top team and we're a close group, so it should be exciting. Now, you said you only knew a couple of guys in Red Deer when, when you first got there. How long does it take for you to feel comfortable? Because it's that's got to be weird walking into a different dressing room and putting on a jersey with uh, basically a bunch of strangers. Yeah, I'd say the first month was tough. And then once a month goes by, you're, you're getting comfortable. But, and then maybe another month, so two months until you're completely settled in and real comfortable with everyone definitely took some time but once that gets passed it's it's really good so excellent Uh, ben king is my guest plays for the red deer rebels uh there'll be a lot of people listening to this ben who don't follow the whl at all they might just be casual nhl fans who are trying to find out information on draft eligible players for people like that who are listening who don't know you at all let's get a a bit of background Uh, where are you from i'm from Burnham, bc and i've lived here my whole life so I haven't moved anywhere. And that's where you are back there now again? Your parents still there? Yeah. Yeah, everyone's still here. Okay. Do you remember how old you were when you first started playing? Um, I first started skating when I was around three. I'd go public skate with my grandpa, and then I think I started playing around four. Okay. And have you always been a forward? Uh, yeah. Well, when I was younger, I was like forward ND, kind of all over the place, but Besides that, I was have always been a forward. Did you ever have a time like when you were really little, where I don't know squirts or peewee or whatever they call it uh, at that young age, where everybody kind of has to take their turn in net? Did you ever get to throw the pads on? No, I wasn't really into that. I didn't go goalie once. So take me back to the uh, the Bantam draft. I, I mentioned it, uh, uh, 13th overall pick in 2017 by the Broncos. Um, a lot of guys that I talked to were either at home. Uh, or they're maybe at school following along on their on their phones or whatever. Some guys in that that year that I've spoken with were in Philadelphia at some sort of tournament. But uh, where were you? Yeah, I was one of those guys in Philadelphia actually for the World Select tournament, and it's kind of pretty crazy. We were for the first few picks of the draft. We were in a game because I was playing with McLennan and neighbors in that draft, and right. they got drafted during the game, and then we got off and. Kind of right after I got undressed and I was walking out, I got a phone call from Jamie Porter at the time saying I was drafted to Swift Current. So it was, it was pretty crazy and definitely a different experience, but I was happy to go there and didn't know much about it, small town, so didn't know what to expect. But once I got there and talked to everyone, it was, it was super exciting. How many people in Vernon? Uh, Vernon's around 40,000. Okay. So not but, too big either. But. So it's about twice the size, I guess, of Swift. But uh, the one big yeah. difference... Uh, there's winter in Swift Current, um, not so much in, in Vernon. Vernon, beautiful part of the country for anybody who hasn't uh, been there uh, before. It's uh, picturesque for sure. But uh, the uh, the winter is a lot more mild than they are in Swift. Was that one of the biggest changes, the biggest things you had to get used to? Yeah, for sure. The winters were, were crazy and cold times. And even the other thing would be the flatlands, like mm-hmm. in D.C. and Vernon. 
bunch of mounds and everything, but Saskatchewan, it's just fields after fields, which was a bit different, but I didn't mind it too much. And the small town was, was good, I thought. so. Um, for Again, for the listeners who haven't seen you play before, can you give us a, a bit of a self-scouting report? How would you describe yourself to people? Yeah, I'd say I'm a, a big center, a good two-way forward that tries to play good in both ends of the ice. And I like to I see the ice well, and I try and be a playmaker that can also score and stuff. Yeah, your uh, production this year, well, in Red Deer, 16 goals, 22 assists, for 38 points. He had eight points uh, with Swift before that as well. Uh, do you see yourself more as a, a goal scorer or a setup guy? Um, I usually see myself as a setup guy, but this year I was playing with R.S.T. Baines, and he's he's a playmaker, and he, he gives you the puck. So I think I started scoring more goals once I started with playing with him, but he just set me up, and all I had to do was put it in the net. So I think my game kind of changed a bit, but I still see myself as kind of a playmaker. So When, uh, when you, you mentioned R.S.T. Baines, one thing that always stands out to me about him, his motor never stops, right? Like he's he's going hard every shift, every time out there. Uh, when you have a, a line mate like that, I have to assume that kind of draws that out of you a little bit too. Do I have that right? Is that kind of fair to say? Yeah, for sure. Like he's going and you got to be going too. And I think he's a player that like makes you better and he makes players around him better. And he's he's one of those guys that's just easy to play with. So it was, it was really nice for me coming in there. And I played with him every single game, so it was nice for me and to play with him, and it helped me for sure. WHL website listed 6'2", 190 pounds. Uh, is that still up to date, or what are you at right now? Yeah, I think that's that's up to date. So. Um, now, the NHL draft, obviously, it's a, it's a big year for you. Uh, unfortunate the way things ended uh, with the Rebels not headed to the playoffs. Uh, I think you would have been... Uh, in line for the uh, the World U18 is probably a good shot of playing in that event and the NHL Combine, all of those things. How much was the draft on your mind before uh, all of this came to a screeching halt? Yeah, you try not to keep it on your mind too much, but obviously it's it's there and you go into every game trying to play your best to impress scouts. And But I think for me, I tried to keep it off my mind just because you don't want to have that going into a game and just focus on that and I just tried to play my game and be the best I could, and everything will just fall. Uh, now, with the uh, the stoppage, has that changed at all? You, there is nothing now to look forward to except the draft. Um, so has that changed at all? Yeah, a bit. Now it's you don't really have to focus on hockey. You're just waiting for the day, the draft day, and just hoping you can get drafted. And I think if you do, it'll be really excited. So I think that's one thing to look forward to now. At the same time, we don't we don't even know when the draft is uh, going to be held. Yeah. After what they're doing. So is there someone's, does that uncertainty, does it weigh on your mind at all? Or is it one of the, Hey, you can only worry about the things you can control. And that's not one of them for you. Yeah. You can't control it. And it might be postponed a bit and it might be online or whatever it will be, but it's, it's going to happen eventually. So you just got to wait around and hope it happens soon. BC kid. Does that mean you're a Canucks fan or were you uh, cheering for somebody behind enemy lines there? Uh, I'm a Penguins fan. Actually, I, I grew up watching Sid and just couldn't change from there. He's a great player, and you can't not like him. So I'm a Penguins fan, actually. All right. Now, it would be hard. You said Sidney Crosby. It would be hard to say you identify or you see yourself as having that sort of uh, ability. But is there a player that you, you you pattern your game after a little bit, or do you shoot for the you know the absolute ceiling with a guy like that? Uh, I model my game after Ryan Johansson on Nashville. Okay. The kind of big center, two-way guy, and 
I think I look a lot like him on the ice, so I'm out of my game after him. All right, former WHLer himself. Um, yeah. Before you get to the next level, what what areas of your game do you think need the most attention? Uh, I think my physicality and compete, that area for sure. And then I think one thing, it might not be a weakness, but always just speed. I'm just always trying to improve that because the game at the next level is so fast. And if you can't keep up, it'll probably be difficult. So just always working on the speed and getting faster and more powerful. Well, Ben, listen, I really, really appreciate your time today. Uh, enjoyed that uh, conversation a lot. Wish you the best of luck, and hopefully uh, things get back to normal here uh, sooner as opposed to later. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Stay safe. Stay safe indeed. A message uh, from Ben King, uh, not just to me, but to everybody. I think the in these times, we can all uh, take that advice for sure. I'm sure everybody is uh, self-isolating as much as possible, doing all the social distancing and all of those things. Everybody, all the experts are telling us uh, we need to do. you got to take that stuff seriously for sure. Uh, what you don't have to take seriously is the, the little fun we have here on the show. And if you're just listening to only this segment, then you probably didn't hear it. But leading into the last commercial break, so at the end of the previous segment, the Wade Allison segment, I always go to the commercial breaks with a, uh, a what I call a little uh, ID promo for the show. It's you know It'll be a play-by-play clip of a player, and then you hear the player say, hey, it's uh, Joe Blow from the uh, Tallahassee Warthogs, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Well, leading into the last break, right before this one, was the promo I did with Ben King. And I put the, the music bed is uh, Stand By Me, which is written and performed by Ben E. King from the Stand By Me soundtrack. I know there'll be some listeners who uh, weren't around back in the 80s when that movie came out. It's one of my favorite movies, actually. Uh, so I put that together with that music bed and, uh, and a play-by-play clip from Cam Moon uh, and threw that together. I'm quite happy with it. Just a little joke that uh, not a little might escape some people at first glance, but a Ben King promo with a Ben E. King music bed. It's, a kind of, it's a things like that that I like to do. Might go unnoticed uh, most of the time, but uh, hey. I get my kicks where I can. It was a kick talking with my next guest. I did that earlier today, as a matter of fact. So uh, the last thing I did right before putting this show together, a conversation with Colorado Avalanche scout Wade Klippenstein. That's next here on the Pipeline Show. McKechnie won it. Left half boards. McCarr skates down the boards to the corner. Stops up there. Then got around a defender to the side of the net. Cuts in front. Shoots and Hey, it's Dale McCarr of the Brooks Bandits, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A Hockey is officially back for the 2019-2020 season with all the action taking place at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. With tickets starting at just $15 per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Uh, fights like an old lady. 
We're back on the Pipeline Show, and the last segment to go in this week's episode, uh, we're going to chat with uh, uh, an old friend of the Pipeline Show. Boy, uh, Wayne Klippenstein, uh, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. And, Clip, I think the first time we had you on, it might have even been the first season or the second season, back uh, Dean Millard and I would have you on, and some golf trips involved in all that as well to, to pay you off to come on the show. You you charge a steep price with that. But uh, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great, and some good memories, and I'm glad the show is doing well, and uh, I'm very uh, honored to be back on the show, so thank you for that. Well, I appreciate uh, you making the time. I guess we kind of all have a lot of time on our hands, well, at least most of us do, uh, some of the the frontline workers, obviously, and, and bless them, but uh, what are you doing these days? Obviously, a very unique time for all of us. Um, I'm home, and, and I'm really home. You know, Sometimes when you're home, you're not home, but for me, these past almost 30 days now, it's it's been a great opportunity to reconnect with my family. As you know, Scouts spent a lot of time on the road. So mm-hmm. for our family, it's been a, a blessing so far. I don't know if myself or them want to do this for another couple months, but so <laughs> far it's it, it, it's been great. I, I really enjoy spending time with my kids and my wife and, and my family in this area. Oh, well, that's great to hear. Uh, now, from the work side of things, uh, certainly as an NHL scout, the work doesn't quit. Uh, so what do you do? How do you handle things right now as as a scout, as an individual scout, but as a staff as well? A member of the Colorado Avalanche organization. What do you do right now? Yeah, it is obviously a different time. Um, you know, a lot of the seasons were winding down, so I guess this could have been at a worse time. It wasn't necessarily the height of our scouting season as some of the junior teams were done and Western League teams now uh, would be done, or at least some of them. So, uh, you know, for us, it's just a lot of cleaning up some stuff throughout the season. I've been doing a lot of interviews, uh, talking to players. Uh, it's a great opportunity uh, to interview players. Everyone's at home, everyone's available, and everyone's really excited to talk hockey. So um, that's been a, a blessing, having that opportunity. Uh, we do have technology available to us, so we can watch some games uh, online and, and kind of clean up some evaluations that way as well. And then for our staff, we've had opportunities to do a lot of video conferencing, and uh, that's probably the biggest change for all of us, uh, just being social people. I I miss our guys we work with, and and having that uh, ability to connect uh, through video streaming has really been great for our staff. When it comes to watching games, how different is it to get an accurate feel for a player by video as opposed to being in the rink and watching? Yeah, it's definitely different. Um, I like it uh, when I go back to watch a player that I, that I think I know really well and just to uh, look for a little more detail maybe. Um, as a first-time evaluation or, or looking at a player you don't really know, uh, it's different. It's I don't want to say it can be dangerous, but it's, it's out of context sometimes. Uh, there's nothing that replaces being in a hockey arena, uh, watching a game live and just everything that goes with that evaluation. So we're doing the best we can. Uh, the technology is there. Uh, we do have access to games all over the world, and uh, there's nothing like watching live hockey, but at the same time, it is nice to, to be able and go in and, and see another player a few more times. For a general guy like me, if I wanted to watch video on Bowen Byram, uh, for an example, a guy you guys drafted very high last year, uh, at a time like this, if I'm just watching video, all I'm seeing is when he's on the screen because the puck is near him, so I don't get to see what he's like away from the puck. Do NHL teams have like isolation feeds of of players or something like that? Well, there is different levels of service you can get from providers. Uh, some have their own in-house options. Others use a you know more uh, more traditional uh, general servers. Uh, there's companies that'll provide the video to you. They'll cut the video to you. Um, 
and it can get really specific if you wanted to. Mm. Um, you know, if you want to watch a specific player, you can. There is access to that information. Um, but again, I really like watching the entire hockey game and, and just seeing everything that goes into the game and get the feeling, the flow of the game. As you know, there's always a game within the game, and, and just to get the overall feel for a game, I think it's important in, in any evaluation. I've even had uh, scouts tell me warm up. They'll watch warm up to see how a guy not just prepares, but kind of body language and things like that. Does that play a role at all for you? You know, sometimes uh, I know as a coach, I hated watching warmups because my teams were always terrible in warmups. I think every coach feels that way. It's a good way to start a game mad. Uh, as a scout, um, yeah, sometimes you can watch, you can pick up a few things, maybe how a guy skates a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes goaltenders, if you're going to watch a young goalie and, and you go watch his team play eight times and he only plays once, well, those warm-up opportunities might be the only time you get to see him, you know, take 30 or 40 pucks. So, uh, everyone uses their, their time in the rings differently. Uh, I'm not a big warm-up guy. I know as a player how seriously I didn't take warm-ups, so I, I don't want to hold too many players accountable uh, during warm-ups. Now, the, it's the 2020 draft class this year, but were you watching this group at all last season as well, or do you really only focus on the draft class that is next up uh, while you're watching a season? Like, Are you watching guys for 2021 already? You know what? Uh, good players uh, find a way to to get in your your sight lines as the games go on. Um, you know, I go and try and focus on the the current draft class this year, being the 2020 group. But at the same time, uh, there are some players that are just so obvious uh, they they make you notice them, they make you follow them, uh, and that's just the way it's always been. Uh, if you go watch a major junior game, a uh, really good 16 year old player is going to catch your attention, and uh, even 17 year olds that have late birthdays again. Uh, you'll watch those guys and take a few notes and be ready when it's a, actually their draft season the following year. Wade Klippenstein's my guest. He's a, uh, a, a scout with the Colorado Avalanche and a longtime uh, coach and GM in the Western Hockey League and a former Alaska Nanak uh, player uh, back in his uh, collegiate days. Uh, you mentioned the timing. that it, Overall, not a bad time. If it, if it has to happen, it better to happen at the end of this regular season than, you know, back in November or something like that. Does that yeah, mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. Does, does that mean the playoffs really aren't all that important from a scouting perspective or, and, the, and the World U18s? Because I, I thought those would be pretty major uh, events. Uh, I want to see how a guy performs in the playoffs and, and take that into consideration. Yeah, they're, they're premium evaluations, but they're evaluations you can't count on because there's always things that change. Uh, you may be tracking a player, and all of a sudden, the last few weeks, his team goes the wrong way. They don't make the playoffs, and then you don't have those evaluations you're counting on. Um, the under-18s is real tricky because, as you know, a lot of the players from Canada, uh, if they're in the playoffs in the CHL, they don't participate in that event. So you can't always count on the rosters being what you anticipate. So for me, that part of the season, the playoffs, it's great. I love the hockey, as everyone does. But again, you're not guaranteed to see the players you want to see. And uh, you get a little nervous this time of the year. You start tracking teams and trying to guess and change your schedule to catch guys maybe one or two more times. And, uh, you know, this, that's the only thing we kind of missed this year was that opportunity, those last looks at guys. Yeah. Um, obviously, they didn't happen losing the last, uh, you know, I don't know, 15 games of the season. But, uh, yeah, hopefully you have a good enough book, and that's why you watch as much as you can when you can uh, early in the season. Oh, wait, this is, uh, what, the end of the fourth season with uh, with the uh, Avalanche organization for you? Yeah, that's right. Well, some pretty uh, strong draft class in the last uh, four years. Some of the high-end guys, Tyson Jost and Kale McCarr, 
And uh, Martin Kaut, obviously, uh, he's in the NHL now as well. And and a couple of high-end guys in Bowen Byram and Alex Newhook last year. And just breaking news today about Alex Newhook, you were telling me. Yeah, he's had a great uh, second half to his season at Boston College. And he's named the freshman of the year for the entire NCAA today. So uh, that's exciting for our group and, and more importantly for Alex and his family. And um, Just a great second half. Uh, I know he had a bit of a setback with not making the world's new team, but he sure turned that into something positive And we're obviously very proud of him. Over the last uh, four years, is there a, a particular guy for you that the Avalanche drafted that was, you know, a guy that you pushed for uh, uh, from a, a personal standpoint? You know what? We our staff is small and we cross over, so everyone is is really uh, invested with every player we we select. And some teams have bigger staffs and guys really stay in their regions, but for us, um, you know, I watch Martin Cout play. Uh, overseas uh, as much as I watch some guys play in the CHL and our guys from Europe come over here and, and guys cross over. Um, you know, there's some players that are from our area that obviously, you know, a little bit more, uh, you know, Kale McCarr played in Brooks, which is an hour and 10 minutes from my house. So just through sheer geography um, and just the culture of the AJHL, I was pretty familiar with that player. And then obviously Newhook in, in Victoria, but again, all of our staff's involved and we have, Tremendous coverage with everyone being a big part of every decision and every player we select. Uh, I seem to recall uh, when Makar was uh, the the pick, you were on stage for that, weren't you? Yeah, they, they kind of move things around with the pageantry of the draft. Um, our our management usually decide who who goes up on stage, and uh, you know sometimes it's specific to if we pick a player from your area, or uh, sometimes it's completely random and our. And our our group has been really good about sharing the spotlight with all of our picks, and you'll see different guys up there every year. And, um, you know, for me, I was very thankful. It's a great memory. I'd never been on the draft stage. I always, uh, you know, wanted to get into scouting the National Hockey League, and that's something you always see on TV. And to be a part of that was very special for me and my family. But at the same time, um, you'll see our staff. You'll see different guys up there because it truly is a team effort with our group. Excellent. Uh, all right, well, let's talk about how you got into the business in the first place. I mentioned uh, as a player you went to uh, – uh, the University of Alaska up in Fairbanks uh, and uh, played for the Nanix and didn't play a lot of pro after that. Um, what happened? Yeah, what happened was I wasn't very good, and that's a big <laughs> part of playing pro. <laughs> you, had you know 50, what? You had 51 had points no... in your senior year. <laughs> I did, and that accidentally forced me to play longer. I had no intentions really of playing after college. I was very happy to be a college player, and as I got there, I fell into some good situations some really good teammates and line mates and it kind of propped me up a bit and uh you know i was drafted by quebec and went to their camps a very tough team to make at the time that you know that team became the avalanche you ended up winning two cups with a lot of those guys so for me maybe the timing wasn't great but i was very happy with my junior and college career and uh you know my my uh, short pro career led me to coaching which led me to scouting so i'm very grateful for this journey i've been on so far uh, well, you've been a coach along the way, an assistant coach, a head coach, a GM, an assistant GM, uh, and now uh, a scout in the NHL. But uh, back in your WHL days, well, how do you end up in the WHL when you were a college player? You know, just just connections, relationships, uh, some people. Uh, Don Clark was a good friend of mine that I'd met uh, just through hockey in Saskatchewan, the SJHL, and, and uh, summer hockey camps. We all attended the Barry Melrose Hockey School. And, we ended up just, you make friends and people you meet and you get opportunities and a lucky bounce here and there. Um, you know, Don Clark and Daryl Lubinick, you were the first guys to give me an opportunity at the Western Hockey League level. And from there, uh, one opportunity led to another and, and just so many good people along the way that 
have given me a chance and uh, I'm very thankful for where I am today. And without those people, that the path would be much different. Now, as a scout, what separates uh, – I mean, I, I can watch players and ha- come away with an opinion that doesn't make me qualified to be a, a scout, especially at the NHL level. What's the difference? What makes a good NHL scout? You know, there's yeah, – I'm, I'm so young and new into this, you know, this being uh, basically my fourth year with the Avalanche, and we have guys in our staff that have been 30 years. So um, what I tell you today will be wrong, and, and 10 years from now I'll look back and I'll hopefully be a little wiser. Um, but for me, just having a history with the game, uh, you mentioned some different jobs I've had. To me, that gives me that base of knowledge and just the understanding of the context of what I'm looking at and just having those relationships and, and understanding people. And just like anything in life, you try and project what something is now, what it'll become. And, and for me, um, being involved in hockey all my life's given me that ability to hopefully get it right more than we get it wrong. Harder to be a, a scout at the WHL level, though, where you're drafting 14 and 15 year olds. And, you know, I was just, uh, had some tweets a, a week ago or, or so about Adam Lowry. I think he was 5'9 and, uh, I don't know, 160 pounds or something when he was drafted. And four years later, he's 6'5 and 210. Yeah, there's, there's lots of stories of guys like that. Jake DeBrusque was another guy that was a tiny phantom that obviously grew later and became a great uh, junior and now pro player. But, you know what? Uh, I was comfortable uh, evaluating at the Bantam level. Uh, you get to see what you think is going to be a good Bantam player, and you watch it run its course. Uh, the one thing I will say about scouting at the major junior level and watching Bantam hockey is you do have a lot of opportunity to see players multiple times. You can go to a Bantam tournament, whether it's the John Reed tournament or other big events, and you can watch a player play five times in one weekend. Mm. Where at the pro level, your evaluations are, you know, few and far between. You're traveling uh, not just in a small geographic area, you're all over the world. So if I'm watching a player in Finland and a week later I'm in Victoria and I might not see the player in Victoria for another month, it's a little trickier. So um, you spend your time wisely. Scheduling is so much more important for me at the National Hockey League level, getting my schedule right, uh, getting your list right, your reports in. Um, you have a much more luxury uh, at the junior level with with multiple evaluations. The Alberta Cup was another great example. Right at the end of the year, you can go in one more time and watch a guy four or five more times. Well, we have some premium players I might not see uh, four or five times uh, as much as I want to in the last half of the year. So the scheduling is definitely a major difference between the two leagues. Is that why events like the Helenka Gretzky Cup and, and the World U18 are so important? They are important to get those evaluations in. Um, and, you know, we send a lot of staff, uh, like all teams do, to those events. And, uh, you know, they're great events to see players and see them all uh, on a level playing field, which doesn't happen a lot. Um, you know, when you watch Major Junior, you're watching Bantam, everyone's playing pretty much at the same level, whether it's in the sports school league or with their club teams in, say, in the Alberta Bantam League. Mm-hmm. But when you're trying to compare a guy playing pro in Europe or he's playing eight minutes a night, versus a guy playing junior in the Alberta Junior League that's playing 30 minutes a night and trying to figure out how that all ties together. To me, that's one of the most difficult things in, in, in scouting for the National Hockey League. All right, before I let you go, uh, Clip, uh, it's not your uh, league anymore, but in the WHL with the with the Bantam draft, do you think it should be a year older? Uh, so it's like the, uh, the OHL in the queue? It's funny, we talk about that because we have staff members uh, like myself that worked in the CHL, but they worked in the Ontario League or the Quebec League, and they can't not believe that we draft uh, Bantams out here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've been back and forth on it. I have a son and a nephew now that are in that age group that are going through it that I maybe wish they had one more year uh, to prepare for their, their bound draft. Both the boys are, are coming up to it this year. Um, it's it's unique. I, I always say Bantam's kind of the last year that all the best players play together and play at the same level. Once you get to midget, some guys play 15, some guys play triple A, some guys have gone to major junior. So Bantam is kind of the last time you ever get that true peer evaluation uh, which was always nice. But uh, as a parent, I'll tell you what I think in a year from now, if, if my son uh, matured and developed as a player or if he needed another year. Um, but as a hockey guy, uh, you know, the Western Hockey League gets it right uh, in a lot of ways. Like you look at those drafts and you think, oh, the 14-year-olds, it's so hard to predict. But you look through those drafts and there's a lot of players drafted early that are obviously good players and good players beyond their junior days. What about the NHL draft? Should it be a year older? Boy, that's... Uh, I haven't been in long enough to to give you a good comparison. I, sure. I like where it's at. I, I like that age group. Um, you know, when you go to the World Juniors, I, I went there this year in the Czech Republic, and you're watching draft eligible guys, and they don't really play a lot, especially on the, on the top teams like the guys for Canada that were eligible mm-hmm. didn't really play a whole bunch. So maybe if it's a year later, that would be one event where maybe they would be more impactful in games, and you could get a a better feel for them. But uh, you know what? The system seems to be working. I like it. I'm, I'm proud to be part of it, and I definitely don't foresee any change in the, in the near future. Lastly, uh, I was going to say, how's the golf game? But I guess even the golf courses aren't uh, really operating right now, are they? Well, it's uh, it's a bit of an anomaly here in southern Alberta. Our home course here, in, just outside of Lethbridge, Lando Lakes Golf Course, is open, and it was packed yesterday. And uh, friends of mine from Calgary want to come down and play and they couldn't get a tee time. So wow. we had a beautiful sunny day, I think it was 16 or 17 degrees. And I drove by the course and it was, it looked like a beautiful July day. Uh, I don't know if that's the only place in the province that's open. It's one of the quicker ones to open, but uh, it was a beautiful day for golf here in Southern Alberta yesterday. Well, yeah, you guys are about a month ahead of us. So we still got snow up here. So yeah, we'll see what this uh, what becomes, but uh, I think we're very thankful that our course is open and allowed to be open and people are out enjoying it for sure. Well, Clip, I appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy, uh, I guess, the the family time, the, the bonus family time that you get. Uh, hopefully sooner as opposed to later we get back to normal, though. Uh, until then, uh, stay well. Yeah, thank you and uh, con- continued success with the program. Really appreciate it. That's Wade Klippenstein from the Colorado Avalanche. That interview so fresh it is uh, still warm out of the oven. Uh, just a few hours ago I had that conversation, so I did not have time to put that one up on the Patreon page for as early access for patrons. I apologize to the patrons for that. I usually like to get the interviews done Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, so that the patrons can have their exclusive first crack at it uh, before everybody else. Uh, but I was not able to do that with this particular interview, so sorry for that. If you're a listener who hasn't signed up to be a patron and don't know what I'm talking about, go to patreon.com slash show and uh, see if it's a good fit for you. With that, that is the end of this week's episode. Uh, there will be another show next week. Don't really have a firm uh, guest list at this point, but uh, just between now and next week, uh, enjoy the Easter weekend. Uh, if you're able to uh, do some family stuff, maybe you can get together online and uh, do the whole Zoom thing or Skype. Just remember to be kind to everybody that you meet because everybody is going through a tough time right now. And if you uh, are a frontline worker or you know somebody who's a frontline worker, be extra kind to them because uh, a lot of them probably going through, well, I can't even imagine what it must be like in uh, some of the major cities with the hospitals and, uh, and everything else. So bless all of those people for sure and 
Just take care of each other. Stay safe. Till next week, my name's Keith Flaming. See ya.